Good morning. This is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on the show, host Jenny Chadwick is joined by Natalia Pratt from the nonprofit preschool The Language Tree. They'll discuss Natalia's experiences working through the pandemic as a child care business, as well as recent efforts to increase vaccine access for underserved populations. As you may know, phase two of Missouri's vaccine distribution open ne- opens next week, which includes priority for dis- disproportionately affected groups. Good morning, Natalia. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. Thank you. And good morning, Jenny. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you so much. Um, so this morning we'll start off with our numbers like normal. Uh, Matthew Holloway is reporting, and we're seeing a, a great incre- decrease in the number of cases that we have been seeing across the state of Missouri. So he identified 473 cases of COVID-19 and 29 deaths. And you know, while those numbers are much lower than the 100 peak we were seeing um, in the mid-winter. Um, we are still having, you know, people in our community, loved ones, die. Uh, honestly, right as I was going on air, uh, you know, a Columbia resident messaged about uh, an uncle passing away. And so COVID is still greatly impacting our lives. Um, so it's a it's an interesting time in the vaccine world, as we all know, that um, the state did not open tier um, phase one tier three until the 15th, March the 15th. And that's where child care and education fell based on the state priority. And so we have exactly 14 days in the state of Missouri to get all education and child care workers vaccinated before the next phase opens, phase two, which includes a lot of people. And so Natalia, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Just want to talk about um, maybe, you know, the language tree and the process. The city put out a new order um, on the 22nd that goes into effect today that actually mm-hmm. has an impact on on childcare. And so if you could help us to, to untangle what has that looked like in the pandemic, because childcare facilities have been in a essential part mm-hmm. of um, so what has it looked like for you guys at the language tree and, and and maybe give a step back and just tell us what tell us about the language tree here in in uh, Boone County in Columbia Missouri so uh, we back in in March when when it all started of course it was a very heavy scary time for all for everyone of course and for us as child care workers it was extremely Um, You know, it's a time of a lot of anxiety and a lot of uh, being creative of how we're going to deal with this situation and and still keep our doors open. Like everyone else, you know, we closed down um, for a couple of months. um, And even before, you know, once we started hearing about what was going on, we started masking up immediately, even before the mask mandate in our school. We were like, we need to start wearing masks. This is serious. And um, 
And of course, uh, then a mask mandate was passed and we opened up again uh, in late May uh, for summer camps. Uh, so we were working through the pandemic. Uh, it was a very scary time for us at the school, mm-hmm. uh, but we were really responsible and we were very proactive. Um, you know, we went ahead with all the recommendations, the san- you know, the sanitation, the taking temperatures at the door. Uh, only staff and students were allowed to come inside the school. Mm-hmm. Um, we took out a lot of uh, materials that were shared by uh, kids, like crayons and things like that. We actually had kids do have their own, like, individual um boxes uh, or uh, to put their own little things in there. Um, They had little bags behind their seats. So a lot of things that were shared were now, um, you know, individual. Uh, Each kid had their own. So that was another thing, uh, another way that we kind of changed the way we did things at school. Uh, We took out play clothes that might be shared or hats or things that that are just like on the body a lot. We took it out of the play space Um, and things like that. A lot of stable groups. We are lucky that we are a very small school, so we don't have a lot of kids in general. So groups are under 12 in our school with uh, two adults. Uh, One to six ratio is what mostly our ratios are in the school. So that helped in terms of the amount of uh, students and, and teachers that we had in school. Um, so at the language yet, tree, normally prior to the pandemic, um, students were in, in small classrooms already. Yes, yes. That was a, a I think, an, a positive for us because we already had small groups. Mm-hmm. We also, because we're kind of connected just the way our school is, we created two pods um, because we do share bathrooms between the two sides of the school. So we'd had two pods and we actually didn't even allow the teachers to have lunch with each other. So teachers, um, had, you know, lunches separately depending on the pod they were at. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, we were very strict in terms of how we just did our uh, interaction amongst the school in general, even me as a director, um, you know, if I belong to a, a separate pod, if I had to visit a different classroom, I would not be there more than five or ten minutes um, just so that I keep my interaction with that pod to a limited time. So, And the language yeah. tree is a, a language immersion preschool, correct? Yes, we are a language immersion preschool. We teach French and Spanish for children from two years old to six years old, up to kindergarten. And we have a very multicultural and diverse community of teachers that are from all around the world. So we have people that are from Tunisia, Congo, uh, Japan, Colombia, Mexico. I'm from Puerto Rico, which is a territory, but um, yeah, I wasn't born here in the United States. So we have a very diverse group of teachers that, you know, whose families and their own countries were being affected by COVID. And I think many of them understood how serious um, this pandemic was just for everyone all over the world. And the language tree, it's a non-for-profit preschool. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. We are non nonprofit. We are, we have a board of directors of parents that are volunteers and that help us keep the school growing and, and, you know, as an offering, a very special and different offering here in Columbia, Missouri.
So as a non-for-profit and as a preschool in the community, what public health department restrictions were in place that, like, I mean, I know you said you were following all the restrictions, but were there a certain number of people of students that you could have and you know I'm assuming that that had a financial impact on the school absolutely I mean I think the biggest restriction for us the biggest I wouldn't say negative but the biggest challenge for us was uh, the stable groups mm-hmm. uh, just because we we changed groups because our we are our, our immersion teachers um, we have a teacher that sees both the preschool and the pre-K. So that exchange of students, we were not being able to do that anymore between the teachers. So that became a challenge uh, of keeping, you know, the same teacher with the same group. So we had to change um, the classrooms from where they were, uh, keep one teacher with the same group all day, Um and that was a that was a challenge, uh, not being able to change kids from groups. I think that was a big deal for us, and it was, um, yeah, it, it kind of reduced our flexibility in terms of if we have a teacher absent and things like mm-hmm. that. It was just a challenge in that in that way. And as we know, you know, throughout the pandemic, you know, not uh, every business was impacted, and in you know if. If you were exposed and needed to be in quarantine, you know, that would make it especially challenging. So when you said you broke into two pods um, or mm-hmm. two groups, did you typically in, in break into two pods based on the language of, of the groups, knowing that um, you do Spanish and French, or was it um, more fluid than that? No. So the pods were divided uh, because uh, depending on the area of the school they were located at. Um just because we shared bathrooms, um, mm-hmm. so so one half of the school, um, which had part Spanish and, and a, a very very small group of French, was in one side of the school, and then our other side of the school, um, which had our older kids and our French classes, was uh, separated in the other side. Excellent. And so, with this new order that goes into effect today, having child care day camps and similar providers operating, um, encouraging limited numbers of um, mm-hmm. maximum of 50. Does that change what you guys are doing at the language tree at all? Not really. Uh, we we already were kind of in compliance to what they're requiring right now. They require, I think mm-hmm. it's 50, no more than 50 students in um, in a group. And we don't have, I mean, we, do, we never have 50 kids in the school at the same time so it really because we are a very small school so that is, you know it doesn't really affect us that much um yeah. and yeah. i will let our listeners know because i know i've talked about it often um and i will say unfortunately our limitation on groups at bars restaurants entertainment venues has been removed effective today yeah um social distancing now at tables is Still required, but there's no limit on groups. So before it was 10 people per table, 10 people is a yeah. lot. And and now we're not, we're also removing the restrictions on occupation limits. Um, so yeah. previously at 50 or maximum of 200, that is now being removed. So we have, um, you know, I, I was joking with my daughter on her way to campus that our um, Ellis Library closes at 9 and the Student Center closes 
at 8 p.m. yet um, the bars now have no um, restrictions on the time that they can stay open and the number of people that can be in it. So we as a community have really decided to prioritize our um, bars and social gatherings over education in so many ways. So, Natalia, as we talk about language, and I have to say, you know, I grew up in rural Missouri. I did not learn another language, and I feel oftentimes um, saddened by that, and I was so grateful that um, my daughters started very early learning another language and that Mm -hmm. we know that as kids learn languages early, they take that language on. Um, And I think that 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 concept in in what we are talking about, so daycares, I want to step back because I forgot to talk about vaccines. So you guys have access to the vaccine now, and I'm curious what ways was that communicated to you? Like, so how did you know when you had access? Who notified you that you had access? Because we want to make sure that we're not leaving behind any educators or teachers as this next phase opens. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I was always uh, checking in, uh, calling to the hospital, and it, it it happened, just so happened that the day I called the Boone, because I was like, I want to know when does our tier open, and the actual day that I called, the lady actually gave me the date that we were opening, but it was you and your group on, on Facebook that actually mm-hmm. told us that we could access our vaccines because Biden had just and I did not know that until you mentioned it, that we could go once the, because the federal government had said that we child care workers were essential work or were essential workers and um, that any place that was receiving federal doses um, would vaccinate us. So that's kind of how I found out that I mm-hmm. could go and get my vaccine. And I immediately got online and got my appointment and got my vaccine. And I get my second dose this Saturday. Uh, Most of my teachers were able to get uh, uh, an appointment as well. Um, We've been getting our doses on uh, Hy-Vee, which is, um, you know, we've been lucky that they've had appointments for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been really great. And we always receive communications, uh, you know, even before that. But, they didn't have a date um, until I think until I found out through you, and then later on they started talking about the dates for for childcare workers. For us, you know that we were not included earlier. I think I was very frustrated as a as a teacher and as a childcare worker because we were working with a community of, of children that, if people think about it, these kids they they can't mask because they're so young, you know, we're dealing mm-hmm. with two, three, four-year-olds. Uh, the ones that do come masked, you know, they, they're, they're kids. They have a hard time keeping those masks on. It's very hard to impose social distancing measures with such young group of children. It really is. I mean, if you've ever been around children, it's just quite um, difficult to do that. I think, um, you know, we, there's no way that we can do virtual learning with two, three, four, five-year-olds. It's very hard. It's not age-appropriate either. Um, so the fact that childcare workers were not included earlier in the, in, in the tiers was a big, 
big frustration for me as an educator and to constantly feel so vulnerable and exposed um, was was really, really hard. And, you know, we have older people in our in, in among our teachers that, you know, still weren't able to access the the vaccine and 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 that we're in that vulnerable population and I know I think they I think Missouri dropped the ball a little bit especially by leaving teachers and particularly childcare workers that kept their doors open during the pandemic out of an earlier access to the vaccine um because Absolutely. I mean a lot of that it was so confusing as to why I mean so you're referring to, and for our listeners, in case you haven't heard, the Central Missouri COVID-19 Vaccine Information. It's a social media group that's been trying to keep Mid-Missouri and really across the state now updated on what is happening. So the Biden administration, about a week earlier than the state, mm-hmm. made vaccines available, which created a, a lot of confusion because people didn't Absolutely. understand that we have two we have two distributions of vaccines coming into our state. We have federal vaccines and state vaccines. And the federal government yeah. gets to regulate who gets access to the federal vaccines. And then the governor and the state health department get to regulate who gets access to the state vaccines. Yeah. And Absolutely. those two tiers just make it incredibly confusing. Okay, so... Yeah. You got information from the Boone County Health Department, I'm assuming, also, that... that that tier three was officially open and child care workers could officially get access to the vaccine. Is that correct? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, we, they just sent uh, like a communication that the date that child care workers could access the state vaccines. Um, and then we get it through an email. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, but again, I found out through you when I was able to, Okay. <laughs> well, that is why we have this show to get the message out and the, the social media. And one, you know, noting that, you know, child care workers, our, our education system was notified that their tier was open. The next phase that opens, opens on the 29th. So this, mm-hmm. this coming up um, Monday and people who fall into this phase aren't going to get that email notifying that they fall into the phase. But two populations that I really want to highlight because there's 2.5 million Missourians that are going to be eligible for the vaccine starting on Monday. And why we put them this late, as we can say, why did we put child care workers as late as we did? Um, uh, disproportionately affected populations and our homeless populations. And when the yeah. state defines disproportionately po- uh, affected populations. I just want to read the state definition. So populations with increased risk of acquiring transmission of COVID-19 with emphasis on racial and ethnic minorities, not included in um, a previous phase. So d- can you tell me when I say that, Natalia, what do you hear? Um, I'm sorry, Jeannie, can you repeat that, that part again? I'm, I, yeah, no problem. So disproportionately affected populations are open. So any, with the emphasis on racial and ethnic minorities, people are having a lot of, of struggle with deciphering who is eligible. So I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> who do you perceive as eligible when I read that statement? Well, I think of uh, uh, 
I think of immigrants. I think of, mm-hmm. of Hispanic populations. Like you also mentioned homeless people that mm-hmm. uh, probably are not getting the information or have access to the Internet. Or um, So, yeah, it makes me think of that sort of um, that population. Yeah, and so now... Obviously, we're not sending an email out to all racial and ethnic minorities, all homeless Mm -hmm. population, to let them know they're affected. And so the struggle is, how do we publicly communicate um, this? And and so, you know, I know that there's been some ideas of certain organizations to reach out to. I'm curious from your perspective and and identifying with the community um, what your thoughts are. Well, I think we have to go to them. You know, that's really what I think. I think we have to go to their neighborhoods. I think we need to be at their places of, of, of congregation. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of Hispanic populations that are very, you know, that, that they, they go to church. So where are those Hispanic churches that we can go to and, and bring it to them? You know, we know where the neighborhoods where they're at. Well, let's get a, a you know, a, 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 um, a health truck or I, I don't know what the word would be mm-hmm. a vaccine uh, mobile unit mobile. Mm-hmm. that that goes to the places where we know and that they are located and let's just say look we're going to be here um and come if you need it um i think we we as a state we can't wait for people to come to us if we want to really attack this pandemic uh we need to go to them and again, a lot of also these populations have uh, an issue with movement, you know, transportation, public transportation here in Missouri is, is a joke. You know, it's, it's, so I, I think we really just need to get to them. We need to be in their places of, of where they live, where they're, where they're eating, even if it's like, a, a we're, yeah, that's, that's where I would focus is mobile units, get the vaccines to them. And I know here in Boone County, we have had a homebound unit that has gone to help people. And we've had one specific event that I am aware of in the first ward that was located at a a black congregation. But that is the only go-to-them opportunities that I've heard yet in Boone County. And in, you know, Callaway County, we had an individual reach out that needed a homebound vaccine. And we're not able to find that in other counties like we do in Boone. So I think that you're exactly right. You know, other barriers that I've seen, the, the COVID-19 Facebook group has a vaccine form. And I want to thank you personally on air for translating that form into Spanish. And so oh, you're welcome. Yeah. And, and, Maybe for our listeners, since you just translated it, the things, all the questions that we're asking to get a vaccine, um, barriers that you might see in that. The what, I'm sorry, say that again. The barriers that you see in all of the questions that we are, you know, the information that we need to just schedule somebody for a vaccine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's so many factors. You know, you guys ask if, you know, what time. You, you ask how long, how, how far can you travel? Uh, you know, are there times or days that are more ava- um, comfortable for you as a person to reach? They're all very important questions uh, that I think are factors. And um, you did, I can't remember, did you guys ask for the, 
which shot they were looking for or what dose they needed, right? There's a part where we, we ask for that. Yeah, so, you know, people oftentimes have specific vaccines that they either want or need. Yeah. And so to, to let the individual booking a vaccine appointment, um, yeah. we joke that you need a computer science degree to get, to get a vaccine appointment. People register to get on lists, but um, to really actually get that appointment. And, you know, we ask that all individuals register on multiple lists but take one appointment, if that yeah. makes sense, that's offered to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that oftentimes we hear from all populations, but I think especially as we start to open it up um, to disproportionately affected populations is what is the cost of the vaccine? Um, and so I want to make sure that our listeners know very clearly there is no cost to vaccines. Vaccines are free. <laughs> it would be yeah. a, a violation of many laws, probably global as well. Um, no country that we can find or know of is charging the individual for the vaccine. If you do not have insurance, you will not be billed for the vaccine. We did find one instance where Phelps County Health Hospital was charging individuals for the vaccine. Um, oh I called them uh, and they said it was an error. So that oh. um, they they reversed that charge, obviously, on the individual. But um, so if somebody is billed for the vaccine, it is not something they have to pay. They do not have mm. to have insurance. They can mark that they do not have insurance. Um, they do ask for insurance, though. So I think that that sometimes intimidates people. Like, well, I don't yeah. have insurance, so I can't book it. But you do not have to have insurance. Absolutely. And that's that's so important to remind people is this vaccine is free. Now we just need to make it more accessible. I think that mm-hmm. is the biggest issue is accessibility for a lot of people. Um, I remember the day I went to get my vaccine, um, the 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 pharmacist that was putting on the vaccines, the nurse, um, he told me I was the first person from Boone County that was there because a lot of people were traveling mm-hmm. from, you know, outside of Boone County to come get their vaccines. Um, so, yeah, we just and needed to get these vaccines to to where the people are, really, where where the people want it and 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 need it most. And I know I heard. Dr. Sam Page, the county com- um, administrator for St. Louis County, um, call on family practice stocks to get registered as vaccinators because we are about to see a, a large influx of vaccines coming in, which is really exciting. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to see more and more um, quantity, but the question is how and where are we going to distribute those? And we have seen that in urban communities, there is a huge inequity, especially in St. Louis, Kansas City, and even in Boone County, on getting access, whereas our southwest Missouri has huge numbers. So, Natalia, as we wrap up these last two minutes, um, any thoughts that you have on um, this pandemic and the transition as a school, as a language tree, um, what you see for the next phase of this pandemic and and how that you know last push on on getting um, messaging out for um, the Latino community and making sure that they are aware especially I, I know one thing that's been brought up is do I need identification um, 
And yeah, that, I, I go ahead. Yeah. So I think we're in a really hopeful. I feel very hopeful right now mm-hmm. in terms of like we have survived this year. Uh, unfortunately, we have lost a, some people along the way to this horrible pandemic. But um, those of us that are still here, um, we have the science out there uh, to to take care of ourselves and to take care of our community. And vaccinating is important. Um, vacunarse es importante. <laughs> um, you know, and um, I, I think there's a lot of things that we as a preschool did to keep our community safe, um, our learning community safe. And it was a, a learning experience for us as a preschool and, and as, as educators and as citizens of this, you know, community. Um, I think it has made us stronger. It has uh, given us, you know, this pandemic has given us a lot of tools of how to deal with uh, a situation like this in the future as well uh, in order to keep our community safe. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward and, and I'm really grateful that uh, science has given us this vaccine that, that, that can help us stay open, keep our doors open, be able to go see our, our grandparents and our loved ones that we've, we haven't seen in a long time. Um, and I just really, really hope that the government gets their, um, their uh, oh, what's the word, their... Um, I'll say it, Natalia, their act together and making sure that we equitably distribute this vaccine. That's right. Their distribution. <laughs> that was the word I was looking for. Their distribution together so that we can get to uh, the disproportionately affected communities that we need to get to. Um, our Hispanic communities, our, our African-American communities, our uh, homeless communities. So just hopefully um, we can get moving a little quicker for them and for the benefit of everyone. Thank you so much, Natalia from the Language Tree, joining us this morning. Back to you in the studio, Mallory. Thanks. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Special thanks to our guest, Natalia Prats from the nonprofit preschool, The Language Tree. We will provide links to the Spanish intake form as well as to the Missouri COVID-19 Vaccine Information Hub on Facebook in the show notes, which you can find on KOPN.org. If you missed part of this program or want to share it with your friends, you can find it later today at KOPN.org and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, we invite you to share your questions with us as we plan for future episodes. Leave a message at 573-874-1139 or email gm at KOPN.org. And as always, you can catch us again live on Monday at 9 a.m. We appreciate you sharing your morning with us and tuning in to KOPN 89.5 FM today. 51% is up next. Stay tuned.